Thank you all. Awesome. How's everybody doing today? Great? It's a pleasure to be here with you. It's my absolute pleasure. Can everyone hear me okay? Great. Today we're going to talk about um, a topic that most of you are familiar with, and that's deworming. So we're going to kind of have a little different twist to deworming today. We're going to talk about some things that you may not even agree with, because we've just been programmed to think otherwise. Um, So... We may disagree on things. Hopefully, we'll agree to disagree. If you, <laughs> just don't throw tomatoes. No. <laughs> but um, I truly enjoy what I do today. Um, you know, just a little bit about my history. I used to practice conventional medicine. Had a couple of veterinary clinics and um, you know, big staff, and I loved what I did then. But since about 1992, I've taken a different approach to healthcare. Um, I don't have a traditional practice at all anymore. In fact, we're to the point where we've almost done a 180 where very, very, very seldom, I mean like once in a blue moon, do we ever use any drugs or chemicals of any kind. And and through this transition process, I I needed, um, let me just back up and tell you the whole story, how I got where I am. Um, At one time in in my life, I actually uh, thought anything that was natural was quackery. Literally. I mean, I remember a client bringing me a book, uh, asked me to evaluate it for. It was a book called Natural Health Care for Dogs. I was so negative about anything natural, I looked at this book, and I, I, I flipped through it, literally, just like that. And I threw it back at the client, and I said, this guy's a quack, the guy that wrote it. So that's where I was. And, of course, I just told you where I am today. Uh, some things along uh, throughout my life changed my thinking a little bit as far as health care, to say the least. In fact, um, I even had, had sold my clinics. I mean, I wasn't practicing for a couple of years. And in the process of being bored to death, was reading through a veterinary journal and saw where there was a course on veterinary homeopathy. And this course... Um, I didn't even know what it was. I literally thought homeopathy was herbs. I didn't understand it was a whole science of healing. And my thought process was, well, you know, herbs have been pretty good for my family for the last couple of years because that's what we've been using. I think I'll sign up for this course. And I did. And fortunately, I took my wife with me because she's a veterinary microbiologist. And the guy that taught that course literally changed my life as far as the perspective on healthcare. And the funny thing is, the guy that was teaching that course is the very same guy that wrote that book way back when that I called the class. So I spent the first two hours just apologizing to him almost. And uh, but from then on, it's just been a new. It's opened up a whole new way of thinking for me. And what I realized, what hit me right between the eyes, is that you know I don't really heal anything. You know, healing either from within or above. And once I got that in my head, you know, once I saw that, that a lot of what I was doing was just exchanging one symptom for another set of symptoms, you know, I mean, do you agree that happens many times with drugs and medications? You know, you have, you, you take, you treat a horse for lamin, or for uh, colic, or for some minor situation, maybe you can give them a vaccine and you wind up with laminitis. You know, or you give them one medication and you wind up with another problem, then you have to take another drug and so on and so forth. So anyway, my life totally changed after this, this pretty extensive course. And I had a new set of knowledge that I had to work with. And I started practicing again. 
and I was really enjoying the results. And but I still needed some things to help from a natural perspective. One of the first things I needed was a product for flies that would help keep flies and mosquitoes off the horses. You know, because I didn't want to use these chemical sprays and so on. So that was one of the first products that we came up with. And then I needed a natural warmer. How in the world with a, a totally new thought process of natural health care could I continue to give these these chemicals on an every other month basis? You know, I needed something that had a more natural approach to it. And then I got the bright idea, well, you know, when I first got out of veterinary school, we just didn't indiscriminately deworm the way we were doing at that point. You know, we used to do fecal exams on horses. We used to check them for parasites. And if they had them, then we'd treat them. Now, the reason we did that was we had to pass this tube down their nose. Y'all remember what I'm talking about when you had to do that? And you deposited this stuff in their belly? And that... And that was a known risk. I mean, you get that tube down the wrong way, the horse is going to die. And many times we'd actually do parasite exams to see if they even needed to begin with. But we weren't doing that anymore. We were just going by the calendar. You know, every two months we give them a dewormer. And so things had changed drastically healthcare-wise as far as dewormer. This was back in the 90s now when all this was going through my head. And I said, well, what, what changed? You know, why is it we used to do fecal exams and now we're not? Now we're just giving them the chemicals. And I guarantee you, if I ask y'all, you probably have some type of rotation schedule that you're using. You're doing the same thing that I was used to do and was trying to figure out a way around it, something else. Um, and then I started looking at, well, well what happened? You know, what, what's really going on here? And I started doing fecal exams. And lo and behold, I found in doing these fecal exams that not every horse has worms. Did you, did you get that? I guarantee you, most, if I, if I lined you all up separately and asked you, do all horses have worms? 99% of you would say yes. All horses have worms. The truth is, all horses are exposed to worms. Right? But not all horses come down with worms. Just like we're all being exposed to influenza today. But we're not all going to come down with it. Some of us are more susceptible than others. Some of us are more likely to get sick than others. The healthier the horse, the less likely they are to have parasites. But we we were doing hundreds of fecal exams on horses because we had a bunch of cells. But we, we've discovered that not all horses, horses have worms. And now where did this information come from that they all have worms? It came from the drug companies. It, came, it comes from the veterinarians. And I fall back to this transition from passing this tube to using these handy-to-use pace. You know, how did that come about? Well, guess what? All of us, veterinarians included, bought into this, whatever you want to call it, I call it a great big story, that all horses have worms. And veterinarians especially bought into it because it's so much easier to give them this little paste than it is to actually, um, you know, put that tube down their nose. And guess what? We made the same money on that little paste that we did spending 15, 20 minutes passing that little tube, so we wanted to believe it. We didn't question it. You know, we just did it, just like you do it, because that's what you're told to do. But again, we're all thinking they all have worms. Is this making any sense at all? 
Alright? And then, once we started using this pace, well, a little while down the road, several years down the road, this pace that we were using wasn't quite as effective. You know, we still have wormy looking horses coming into the clinic. And then a new product was developed to take the place of that one. And then a little bit later, there was another product developed. And guess what? Then you had to start rotating. Right? Now, why did we start rotating? Because of resistance. Because this one was over the first pace was used so much that the parasites, we created super worms. Just like super bugs today, like staph, you know, that's from overuse of antibiotics. You know, nothing was working. So we've evolved to different classes of parasite, of uh, parasiticide, the dewormers. Uh, oh, you know, this one, then that one doesn't work anymore. Then we got to have another one. And now some of them are so strong that if your dog gets a hold of the empty tube and eats what's left in it, the dog's going to die. I mean, that's where we progress to. Does this make? Does this sound right? Does it sound logical? What's What's happening there as far as the years have gone? And then along came these daily wormers. You know, horses have so many parasites, so well, let's just use these daily wormers. Well, guess what? That very same product that we started using daily was this very same paste over here that they were already resistant to. And then I started to look at the politics of it. Guess what? Their patent ran out on this first paceway over here. So they doubled its strength, and they tell you to use it every day. It's mind-boggling how we've all bought into this program of horses having to be dewormed on a regular basis. And guess what? It's not good for horses. It's just not good for them. I was talking about this at a, at a uh, given a similar lecture in Raleigh, and there was a veterinarian that had just spoken before me, the big vet in Raleigh, and uh, he had spoken, and he asked if, he, if, if I minded if he stayed for my presentation, because it was the same title as this one almost. I said, no, that's fine, go ahead. And he stayed, and I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, well, what, what am I going to get into here? And uh, lo and behold, during the presentation, he stood up and he said, Doc, do you mind if I say something? And I said, no. I said, please do. And I thought, oh, Lord, here it comes. <laughs> he stood up and he said, folks, I want you to understand that what he's saying is true. And he said, I also want you to take it one step further and understand that dewormers are poisonous. It was right out of his mouth, not out of mine, right out of his. Dewormers are poisonous. They kill the worms, but not enough to kill the horse. And, you know, that's, a, that's exactly what's going on here. You know, it's, it, we've almost created this vicious cycle because when we use these products, especially the way we use them, number one, we get resistant species developed, just like overusing antibiotics. So we also negatively affect the immune system, so they're more apt to have worms again down the road. And in fact, believe it or not, in children and in, and in, and in people right now that have these really bad bowel syndromes, these really like uh, idiopathic bowel disease, and um, I can't remember all the names of them, IBD or whatever they are. Um, I think it's University of Chicago, one of them, somewhere in the Midwest, are actually doing some studies in people where they are giving them parasites orally that have these chronic bowel diseases. 
and they're getting tremendous results. So that makes me think that maybe parasites are part of the immune system development. You know, you take a horse that's never exposed to parasites or a horse that's on these daily wormers all the time and you just take them off and you never check them, uh, they're going to probably be loaded with parasites down the road. You know, um, we just create such an issue by using these chemicals over and over that it's not a it's not a pretty picture. I really, and, and, and then I started preaching this. You know, I was standing on a soapbox telling people, you know, let's just not use these chemical dewormers as much. Yes, parasites are a problem, but instead of just using these chemical dewormers, why don't we do fecal exams? Okay. And let's see what they have. And that's been pretty exciting because, again, not all horses have worms. We actually set up a little test program of our own because we have developed a natural wormer. So with each six tubes, we gave away a free parasite exam. So we could do follow-ups. We kind of did our own little clinical study um, by giving away something free. It worked in since my wife's a veterinary microbiologist. She ran the lab and it worked out great. But... Um, as a result of this, it's amazing how many horses don't have worms. You know, where you really have the big problems with parasites is horses that are under three. You know, your babies, your young horses. Because of astrids and strongyle. Astrids can actually cause impactions. They can actually cause uh, major problems. And, of course, strongyles can migrate through and cause all kinds of issues, too. But, you know, most of the time, those parasites actually show up under a fecal exam. Um, not every fecal exams aren't 100%, but nor are giving chemical dewormers 100%. And we do fecal exams on horses that have had chemicals, and they still have parasites because of these resistance issues. I guess bottom line here is, no matter whether you agree with me or whether you continue to do what you're doing, don't just take it for granted that your horse doesn't have parasites after using a product. Do fecal exams as well. Because there are so many resistant strains today that uh, not everything works. In fact, uh, University of Kentucky, their parasitologist called me a little while back and he said, um, uh, I heard that your natural wormer is working in goats. I said, well, yeah, it works pretty good. And he said, Cause, and his exact words were, if we don't find something that works in our goats, he said, we're not going to have a goat herd anymore because nothing's working. So parasites are totally resistant. University of Florida, um, Dr. Peckman, same situation. Their herd horses down there have a tremendous pinworm problem, and nothing was working for pinworms. And it's, again, a resistance from overuse of chemical dewormers. Uh, but So we've started preaching this. People are finding out about it. Now it's different. You know, A lot of veterinarians now are doing fecal exams. I really felt good back in 90, let's see, 2000 in July 2000. Now I've been preaching this for a long time. But in the horse, you all are familiar with the horse um, magazine? They came out with an article way back in July 2000 called New Directions in Dewormer. And this was, I had nothing to do with the star article, didn't even know about it. But what they were preaching in here is exactly what I had been preaching as far as resistance and so on and so forth. And they actually, the parasitologists that wrote this, called the practices that you're still doing today, in most cases, you know, we're just a monthly rotation or every other month, they titled it Looming Disaster because of parasite resistance. And it's coming. 
you know, we've got to start changing our practice because custom deworming programs based on consultation of a veterinarian and fecal exams of individual horses will help postpone drug abuse and thus drug resistance by common parasites. So this is not new, what we're talking about. It's just that you're not hearing about it because most veterinarians still haven't bought into doing those fecal exams yet. In fact, sometimes if you go to your vet and you ask them to do a fecal exam, they'll look at you like you're nuts. Yeah, if that happened to anyone. And they'll just say, just go ahead and yeah, there you go. Just go, just give them this. You know, this takes care of all of them anyway. But it's just like taking your child to the doctor and then prescribing antibiotics for a virus or a simple cold. You know, there are consequences of everything we give. Everything. So this was kind of nice. And then last week, um, not last week, last month, uh, I was actually at University of Tennessee and was talking to um, the doctor that's over the small, uh, large animal clinic there. And she had read her article uh, in her magazine. We have a magazine if you come by the booth uh, on, on deworming. And she had read it. And she said, you know, it's funny that you have this in here because this is exactly what the parasitologists here at UT came in to our vet uh, um, school and were, gave us a lecture on just this very thing. You know, we need to do fecal exam. We, we just don't need to indiscriminately deworm our horses. So they're trying to get the uh, farm managers now for the horse herds to stop just indiscriminately deworming. And it's, it's a challenge because we've all been ingrained and they just will give them this. It's harder to do fecal exams. Especially if you have a lot of horses. You know, we've got 30 some horses. It's a challenge to go get a sample. Wouldn't you agree? But in the long run, we are going to save money. You're also going to um, be less stressful, I guess is a good way to put it, on that horse's immune system. And, uh, and you're going to know what you have or what you don't have. Now, the flip side of that is sometimes your vet might say, well, the fecal exam doesn't always tell you whether they have it. You know, they, there can be uh, false negatives, so to speak. You know, they might have them and it not show up. And that is true. There are some species that don't show up. Bots don't show up on a fecal exam. But, you know, if your horse is covered in bot aches, it's pretty likely, you know, you're probably going to have bots. Not always. If these are real strong horses, resistance is good. You know, he, he may not even have bots. So bots is kind of a tough, a toughie there. Um, tapeworms. Let me tell you my thoughts on tapeworms, and I don't know if it's right or not, but I can just tell you what I've experienced over the years. I, in 20-some years of practice, flipping through the veterinary journals, um, and not flipping, but reading, you know, reading everything that's in there, and I'd read a lot, in 27 years of practice, I never saw an article about tapeworms causing problems in horses. Never saw it mentioned in an autopsy exam of necrops who would call in veterinary medicine. Never saw it. Until suddenly there's a new drug on the market to take care of tapeworms, and then everybody had a tapeworm problem. It was a big thing. So, And we still don't see a lot of tapeworms in fecal exams. But yet, there's big promotion about tapeworms. And even again, we as veterinarians have bought into that. Now, I think they do have tapeworms. I do think it is an issue from time to time. 
but I don't think it's as big an issue as we all as we've all been led to believe. You know, it's so bad because they have these, um, and you've probably been to them. The, the companies will come into your town and you know call the co-op, and the co-op will get a hold of all the horse people, and they'll invite you out for some hors d'oeuvres and a, and a, a, a meeting on from some company, and they show you all these ugly pictures. Right? They scare you to death. If you don't deworm your horse on a regular basis using this product, you agree with me there? I mean, you feel guilty if you don't just give them a dewormer every month or two. And that's because we've all been so programmed to do that. Has this made sense at all? I mean, it's a totally different approach to deworming. But it's something that I hope you'll seriously consider because I do think we're killing our horses today with so much overuse of chemicals in many respects, not just not just dewormers. You know, vaccines is a whole other issue, I and mean, we could talk for hours on vaccines. Um, y'all want to go there? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Deworming with dogs. It's a, you know, it's almost a thing of the past in dogs because they have these. Now, when the heartworm preventative came out, they actually have a chemical in there to take care of parasites. But, you know, there's some resistance issues there, too. Now, veterinarians still do fecal exams in dogs because it's a good profit center for them. And we always did it. You know, it was just like a regular thing. You know, they're set up for it. They do it. And, you know, let's check them every year. So, really, what we're talking about is, uh, is done in dogs. You know, they still do fecal exams in dogs. Well, they should be. And most of them are. Um, yes, was there another question here somewhere? Any other questions? Let me just take questions now. Yes. I'll start on the vaccines. Let me finish with the dewormers first. And we'll, yes. Okay, why aren't fecal exams being done in horses? Um, you know, as a veterinarian, we're very busy. Very busy. And, it's, and like everybody, it's easier to take the path of least resistance. And it's so much easier for us to just give you that tube and say, use this, than it is to do a fecal exam. I think that's the bottom line right there. I, I, I really think, you know, again, veterinarians have just been so programmed that this is the way to do it, that that's just what we do. But it is changing. Now when I talk, it's not uncommon for someone to mention that their veterinarian has suggested a fecal exam or they're doing fecal on a regular basis instead of just indiscriminately deworming. So it is coming. It's just that, you know, equine medicine usually is about five to ten years behind small animal medicine, believe it or not. It takes them a while to catch up. For instance, on vaccines. First of all, any other? Yes, let me get this question here. I'll hold that thought. Yeah. Well, number one is fecals, and if they have them, treat them. If they don't, don't. They just do another fecal exam, like an adult horse. Uh, most situations with adult horses over three, I recommend a fecal first time, first year. I, I, I'd probably do a fecal every quarter. Okay. Then once you find that they're consistently negative for an adult horse, you could back off to twice a year in most cases. This is my protocol. It may not be for Hawaii. They may have something different. 
that the, the South Florida may have something different. If they have parasites, then you obviously treat them. Now we do have a natural product I hope you'll check into, come and get a magazine and so on and so forth. It's just paste, there's, there's no chemical. If they have them, then you obviously treat them. Now you don't wait till next quarter to check them again. Anytime you have parasites, you're better off to check them again in three or four weeks. And then if they're positive again, treat them again. That's not uncommon um, for them to still have them. So you treat them again, and then I check them again in three or four weeks. And then once they're consistently negative, then you can back off to every you know quarter or every uh, twice a year. Now with babies, though, once that with with, with babies, that's an issue. You know, with your young horses. Um, they can they can have serious problems. I mean, real serious, real fast. And not that older horses can, but it's much way less likely. So with younger horses, you know, until I see that that horse is resistant, resistance is way up there, that they're pretty strong and not have to have them, um, I would probably check babies at least every two months for a while. And in some cases, maybe even every month for a while. You say, well, you know, it's going to cost me ten, fifteen dollars for a fecal exam. Well, yeah, but it's going to cost you six to fifteen for the paste. And look what you're not doing to that horse. You know, look what you're not doing immune system wise. The less we can put in that's not natural. I mean, the less drugs we can put in, the less chemicals, the healthier we're all going to be. And I think we're all discovering that more and more now. You know, I mean, the word's out, you know. Did you realize there was 2,000 people last year that died from just taking aspirin? Just a normal dose of aspirin. Not massive amounts, just one aspirin. Over 2,000 people died last year. I mean, drugs have consequences. Even though you buy them in a drugstore, over the counter, a cold medicine or whatever, they have consequences. You know, everything leads to something else. So the less we can use, the better off we're going to be. Yes, ma'am. Uh, are you still doing? Are you still doing the free fecal exam? Yes, we are. Okay. Yep. Do you have home fecal exam? The question is, are we still doing free fecal exams with six tubes? Yes, we are. And is it possible to do a home fecal exam? It's possible, but it's very difficult. And the reason is, you got to have a microscope number one, and you really got to know what you're looking for. You got to have the special slides and there's all the other stuff to go with it. So it's hardly worth it. Now we do have some big farms that that have someone trained to do that, uh, so it can be done. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent question. If you have a herd of four horses and one comes up with parasites and the others don't, do you treat the four or all four of them? Absolutely not. And the reason why is these three that don't, they have an act, they have a resistance to it. So you don't want to shoot them in the foot by giving them a chemical and lessening and lowering their resistance again. That makes sense. You treat the ones that have it. You see, this herd mentality, well, if one has it, they all, is just not right. That's just like saying, well, if you have the flu, we're all going to have the flu. It just doesn't work that way. Yes, Excellent question. Is there going to be a seasonal problem where you have a problem one time of the year versus another time of the year? Many times, yes. And it's just because... Um, but they usually are kind of offset each other. You know, you think wintertime where they're more confined, you know, they're in the mud more, um, you know, they're 
more apt to, to be exposed, which is true, but yet in the summertime, the more active the parasites are. So we don't really see much of a seasonal. Now we do in the lab because we get more fecal exams in the spring because everybody's thinking about spring and fall. But as far as actually a, a seasonal problem, uh, we don't see it as much in our lab. Okay? Uh, but now there are some out there. Now, don't don't think I'm nuts on this because I think there's actually a few studies that show it. That they actually shed more eggs in a full moon. You know, that's crazy. But I guess if the moon can make the, the ocean have great big waves, it can do anything. So... Yes, any other questions on parasites? Yes. situation is more difficult as far as parasites go um, because you don't have control over the manure and so on. Now we don't vacuum our fields, we don't pick our fields, we don't, I mean, golly, we've got 30 horses, it just can't be done. I have some farms, you know, where they go out and they pick the manure every day or they vacuum their, their paddocks, you know, that's great. Can't imagine it, but it's great. I just think it's a waste to fertilize myself, you know. <laughs> but, it is more difficult where it's required sometimes. That's the real difficulty as far as a boarding situation is. Where it's required, you know, what do you do? Well, hopefully you can convince them to do fecal. But as far as um, the other situation, as far as you're not having control over the manure and so on in a boarding situation, it still boils down to that resistance issue. You know, how resistant are they? You know, how strong is their immune system to fight these things off? In fact, most of your leading parasitologists now actually think that horses should have some level of parasites, that we shouldn't actually have a negative parasite situation because it is part of developing that immunity to those parasites. Uh, in fact, you know, if, if you have a low count, a low fecal count, then your lead parasitologists for the most part are not recommending deworming. It, it's part of that immune system development. Yes, ma'am. The question is, you know, why is the drug company developing home testing type things? Got me. I can only speculate follow the money trail but, but you got to understand these drugs we're talking pennies less than pennies you know for a lot that you pay big difference yes sir well if 
spots? Well, the way that works is you actually have these little yellow eggs on the legs. If you see those, then the horse actually is biting at those, okay? And then they go into the stomach, and it's like a larvae actually that attaches to the line in the stomach. What we try to do is prevent those from getting on there in the first place. And the way we do that, we have a natural product to help keep the flies and mosquitoes off that you feed them every day. And that it's not 100%, but now, you know, the less you have uh, these flies on the horse, the less you're going to have bodies. There has absolutely no way for sure. No way for sure. And it's sort of necropsy in the horse, you know, and, and doing the other end of it where you do a study where you actually have bots, you know, infect them with bots, and then you actually kill the horse, give them a drug, kill the horse, and see if it took care of them. And we're just not going to do that with our stuff. Yep. She has cattle mixed in with her horses. You know, there are, for the most part, parasites are species specific. That's not to say that they can't cross species. However, um, again, it still goes back to that resistance. Now, keep in mind, this is critical. They're all exposed to worms every day, for the most part. I don't care how good a management practice you have. They're all exposed to worms. Some are exposed more than others but they're just not all going to come down with them because of their natural resistance, what they personally develop. Um, yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, why is it that natural products don't develop resistance trade? I suspect they do. I suspect I just haven't seen it yet. Um, you know, we use a combination of products. They've been used for centuries, you know, and I haven't seen resistance, you know, mentioned over the years, and they're still working. So, you know, we can only assume that because they work, they're still working. But I, I suspect that, you know, like, how many of you use garlic in horses? We haven't found that garlic really works for fly. I mean, it helps, but... Uh, it just doesn't work by itself. You know, is there a resistance issue there or not? I, I don't know. Let's see. Someone had any other questions? Yes. stall 12 hours, poops 12 times. How do you know which poop to pick? And is there differences between them? There is obviously some differences between them. However, for the most part, see, and most labs are going to use some type of concentration test in the manure where they actually... Um, uh, use a solution in that manure so that they're concentrated. Any eggs that are present would show up. So, yes, I presume there is, and I'm sure there is. However, if they're there, they usually show up. So, uh, yes. Where's my boot? Thank you. We are, uh, right, see that barn back through there? We're just before you get to there. The natural horse bed. I don't know what the number is, but natural horse bed. And my poster didn't come either today, so. 910? Thank you, Barb. Booth 910. 
Okay, any other questions? I know we're going to be talking about vaccines more. I think I'm actually speaking again tomorrow and speaking on Sunday, so we'll try to include vaccines at that time as well. Um, if you can come back, be sure to stop by the booth. I've got a CD uh, that you can get. I've got a magazine uh, that has a number of health articles. One of the articles is actually on deworming. Um, you can go online, naturalhorsepet.com. Um, real simple to remember. We actually have a number of articles, uh, videos you can watch, all kinds of uh, health care from a more natural approach. Um, any other questions? Yeah, go ahead. Um, why, would, why do horses eat their own manure? I have two thoroughbreds, and they both eat their own manure. Why do horses eat their own manure? Uh, sometimes it's just a habit, but anytime I see a horse eating manure, I can't help for a dog or anything that, that they're missing something. They need something in their diet. So what we do is we actually come back with those horses and we provide them uh, enzymes to help them digest their food even better so they can maybe get out, get more goody out of food, so to speak. We have a product called Gut Check. That's where we start with them. Okay, um, have we run out of time? Do anyone have time? Barb, how much time do we have? About five more minutes. Got time for just a few more questions if anyone has any. Have I bored y'all? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Touch on the vaccine. Let me just... Cool. That's such a long thing. We just kind of wet your whistle just a little bit, okay? We have 30 horses, all right? We have six of our horses are at a training barn in Kentucky, all right? These horses range from weanling to stallion. Okay, at this barn, they've got, like say, hundreds of horses. They show every weekend. Sometimes 100, 200 horses are off somewhere in the country. They have like 60 stallions on this farm for breeding. So there's mares coming and going for breeding all the time. My point there is there's a lot of potential for exposure, tremendous potential. Okay? Our horses have never had a vaccine in their life. Our horses are third generation vaccine free. Even especially West Nile. You know, our horses were using them as guinea pigs, we're using them as pin cushions. You know, it's amazing. How many, how, when was the last time you were vaccinated? You know? And look how we're vaccinating our horses. And I'm gonna, and I don't have it just a second, but if you have children, if you have young children, please look into the link between autism and vaccinations. You know, it blows my mind what's happening to our kids, and they're trying to make it mandatory, and they are making it, it is mandatory that we vaccinate our children. Unless you go through, jump through all kinds of hoops, it's tough. But I have no doubt that there's a direct link, none whatsoever. And I could put, I could give you a hundred doctors right here, MDs that treat autism, that will tell you there's no doubt. But yet these very same companies that we've been talking about all morning are pushing, continuing to push and legislate that now some states even passed a law where adolescent girls have to have, it's mandatory that they have this vaccine for papillomavirus or whatever it is. Uh, they should take those politicians and line them up against that wall and shoot them right between the eyes. It blows my mind what we're doing to these kids and to us. It's awful. Yes. 
Absolutely. She said, I'm absolutely right on the vaccines. There is actually a vaccine victim fund that was established in like 1984. Now, you don't hear about it much. You heard about it recently because there's a neurologist in Atlanta whose child stopped talking within 30 days or so after vaccination. So it starts and you're starting to hear about it more. I, I mentioned just what I did there at a big meeting in um, American Ferries Association. And in that meeting, there was a lady in the front. She came up and she grabbed the microphone. She said something just like this lady said, she was crying. She said, please listen to me. I have two beautiful grandchildren that within 30 days of their last vaccine, they stopped talking and they haven't spoken since. There was another guy who came up and grabbed the microphone. Four people and maybe 200 people. Four people had children that were ruined from these vaccines. It's just mind-boggling to me. They're full of mercury. Fortunately, that's changing a little bit now. They're full of aluminum. Mercury is actually what they use to preserve them. Now, you think if they're still in the kids' vaccines, you think in the inner horses' vaccines? Okay. Blue shot. Perfect. I mean, there's, a, there's this big study right now with thousands of people that was done that shows if you've had multiple flu vaccines, your chances of Alzheimer's is greater. It's 1,000% greater. That's mind-boggling. And, you know, we're doing it to our horses every six months, every year. You know, at the least, cut back. Or if you're really bold, or if you're just logical and thinking straight, stop it. You know? Now, I mean, I get arrested for stuff like this. They hate me. I got a letter from the IRS this morning, you know? They don't like me, but I don't care. Maybe somebody will bail me out someday. But it's mind-boggling what's happening. Yes. Well, I agree that horses are contagious, absolutely, and can spread diseases just like we are here. You know, no question. But, you know, the question is, how effective are they and what are the side effects? You know, there was a study just came out, just published in... um, Ma'am, before you leave, I've got one comment on West Nile, okay? There was just a study that was published in a magazine on West Nile, and of the horses that died from West Nile, I think 45% of them, I believe it said, were actually totally vaccinated for West Nile. Just in the veterinary journal. Yours? One of the first ones? And what happened? Oh, we have to put it to the vaccine, yep. But I'm saying, you know, they were fully vaccinated and 45% of them still died. Yes. Is that right? Wow. But she said she's one of those with a grandson. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Okay, that's a good question. How do you get around the laws of transporting across state lines without a health certificate? See, a health certificate has nothing to do with vaccines. No, they don't. Coggins test? Coggins, there are a few states, like New York does, and there's a county in Florida. But um, the health certificate always says it's the, their health 
colloquy at that moment in time and that the cognis is negative. And that's a blood test. You're not injecting anything foreign into the horse. Now there may be, in most of your like pony shows and some of your 4-H shows, understand these where they get their information from is the same place, you know, that mainstream medicine that require it. So sometimes it is a problem. But uh, as far as transporting across state lines, I don't know of any state that actually requires that. I do health certificates all the time. That's misinformation. There's not even a place on there for vaccines on a health certificate. Just comments. Yep. Okay. Anything else? Thank you all so much. Anything I can do to ever help you, please let me know.